This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Kia ora and welcome to episode 59 of the Half Measures Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Paul Kanawa. Paul, how you doing? Kia ora, Dan. I'm going really well, thank you. Great long weekend having Easter, four-day weekend. I feel like we should do that all the time. It's been brilliant. How about you? Yeah, look, I, I love a four-day weekend. I wish my life incorporated that more. I would say the one downside would be is it's now um, daylight savings finished for us over here in New Zealand, and it really feels like we've hit we, we've hit winter hard. We've come in, I'm watching online, watching YouTube, watching on Instagram, everyone else is going into summer, and we're going into the dark times. It's the same every year, the Southern Hemisphere life, Christmas in the sunshine, and summer in the dark. That's what it feels like to me anyway. Indeed, indeed. But anyway, people aren't here to hear us talk about the weather. So as per always, Paul, what have you been watching? Well, as I said last week with Easter, you know, I said, oh, it's all about what trilogy can you watch? Um, and I didn't quite manage that as I was actually on the road for a couple of days being social, which was most unlike me. But I did manage to watch um, three movies that I haven't seen for a while. So I'm going to talk about those. And the first one is 1982's Tron. Now, I haven't watched this in over a decade, but this was something I watched several times uh, as a kid in the 80s. And I had such a great time watching this. I'd forgotten just how much fun this movie is. The idea that you, I think particularly in a 1980s, pre-internet world the idea that you could be transported into this online com computer world it was it was just absolutely amazing so the synopsis for this one just in case anyone's younger than we are <laughs> a computer hacker is abducted into a digital world and forced to participate in gladiatorial games where his only chance of escape is with the help of a heroic security program and yeah this one it's it's such a great rewatch it really takes you back to a time when, you know, video games themselves were just a whole lot simpler. Even if thinking about just the, the basic Tron game itself, I had so many hours playing that game back in the day. Jeff Bridges as the lead, uh, he is just absolutely brilliant in this. So he plays um, Flynn, Kevin Flynn, um, and Clue, which is his, uh, his his persona in the in the Tron world. Absolutely 
superb and you can see even at that relatively young age you can see the makings of the actor that he grew into um bruce boxleitner um who plays the dual role of alan and tron possibly his greatest role ever i think other than babylon 5 i feel like he was absolutely brilliant in this and i feel like this is a movie that really hammers home the message that if you have a good story an interesting hook it doesn't it doesn't really matter how good the special effects are it will still work because to be honest it hasn't aged the best but i i, I still think it really works i don't understand how imdb's got a what is it 6.6.8 that feels really i i really struggle to understand that i feel like this was in my mind it was like a an 80s classic it was one of those ones that really was poignant for the 80s is this one you enjoyed much you know back in the day or it's been a, a very very long time since i've watched tron uh but obviously definitely a, a classic movie growing up and it was so ahead of its time when i sort of think about it uh, watching it as a as a young Daniel Whiting, and I'll tell you, Paul, this is um, almost like one of those um, confessions. I've never actually watched the Neutron, the the new Disney version that right. came out what, ten years ago or something. But it's always kind of been on my list of one that I probably should go back and check out as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That yeah, twenty tens legacy. Um, this. This original one, I remember, again, going back to the 80s, thinking at the time that the, the special effects were the best and just thinking, this is fantastic. And then I remember thinking that about Lawnmower Man. And then I remember thinking that about Terminator 2. And, you know, it's all progressed from there. But, um, yeah, it does look somewhat, yeah, just... I will say one thing, and you mentioned this with things you've rewatched on. So this is on Disney Plus Star. There's, again, that element of crispness about... The, the finish to the movie, which does bring it up a notch uh, as well. But um, just, I don't know if I'm just going on a real 80s thing at the moment, but I just, you know, because I enjoyed, uh, I've forgotten what it was I watched last week, but had a real, uh, a de- it was the, the Des series with all everyone smoking in the 80s. Yeah, that was fantastic. There's something about that, that 80s vibe that just at the moment, it's just really hidden the spot for me. And this, yeah, this is when I, it just really set the flavor for my Easter break. I was just like, I was... Dan, I was so into it that as it finished, I went straight into Tron Legacy. Like, literally, back to back, I didn't even stop for a cup of tea, and that's most unlike me. So with you mentioning Legacy, it's poignant that that's my second movie of the week. Um, And I feel like it's a great double feature to watch back to back. Um... And, you know, these these movies are so distinctly different because of the, the technology and the special effects that they do still work together. But the gap, the gap in years feels more prominent than in other movies where there's a so um, Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens or like a what was the final last last crusade to, to kingdom of crystal skull that the, the difference there didn't feel as noticeable whereas this one feels quite um quite different and and i think in many ways that's to the one of the strengths of this movie is the it's 
a visual and audio treat to to watch and to listen to. It's actually, you know what I said before about it doesn't matter as long as you've got a good story. This is kind of the reverse. It, it looks and sounds so good that the story is almost less important to me because I'm having such a great time watching this on a big TV um, with the with the sound pump right up. It's it's a real visual treat. I, I would say I haven't sort of seen anything that's wowed me uh, in, in that respect. Give or take, uh, I don't know, like a ready player... Ready Player One type. I don't know. It's it's just really, really. And even though it's ten years old, I think the only thing that has aged is the de aging technology that they used on on uh, Jeff Bridges. So Jeff Bridges returns as Kevin Flynn again in this movie, as does uh, Bruce Botleitner, who returns as Alan and Tron. In fact, in this movie, he's got a real Michael Douglas vibe going on. But the, the de-aging technology, I remember at the time seeing Jeff Bridges and thinking, oh, wow, look how awesome that is. And now things have evolved so much. You know, We've seen great CGI with Tarkin in Rogue One. We've seen it with Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian uh, and, and various other things that we've almost taken, you know, like the... Um, the Irishman with De Niro and so on, that now the lines around the face aren't quite as good. But the rest of it is 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 really, really sensational. The soundtrack to this movie is is second to none. Um I can't think of the name of the the pop group that that do it, but they're um they 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 really fit the vibe of this movie really, really well. And so this movie takes place um and we acknowledge that the time that's um happened between the two movies is is sort of real time for us as well. And um, his uh, Kevin Flynn's son ends up going inside the digital world that his father has designed to go in there to um, to try and rescue his father. And um, yeah, this one I think is is definitely weaker in terms of story, but is a real it's just a really enjoyable watch back to back with the other. I feel like um, despite that that difference in time, it's 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 really worth it and so if if as you say dan you haven't watched this before i feel watching them back to back if you have the time would be my recommendation i think what i really need from you paul um because i can't understand these imdb numbers is give me a guns akimbo scale for each movie it makes sense that a rating out of 10 makes no sense to you but a guns rating out of four will so relative to what i've said around special effects i am giving tron the original uh, three guns akimbo and i'm giving tron legacy two and a half guns akimbo um just just slightly lacking for me and i i can't put my finger on it beyond the the fact that the story isn't quite there and if i'm really harsh and i don't like to say this often on the podcast as you know i felt that the lead the lead actor who plays flynn's son garrett headland who plays his son wasn't quite there for me in in terms of caliber which is a horrible thing to say about someone but looking back at his his uh his movies that he's done since that movie he hasn't really started anything that massive either so yeah wow all right then i am look it's always appealed to me tron because like the tron legacy because i the poster always looks good there's always there's always some great looking um vinyl records for tron as well i love the the motorbikes and the the neon lights and the all of that stuff's pretty cool so as i say it's been on my watch list for a long time um but yeah i think maybe at some point i might have to do the original and the new movie back to back because i have i'm not sure i have heard they might be working on a a new movie as well or it's kind of been scoped out yeah, they did a they did a TV show um, 
the the next day, Tron the next day, and I think there was an animated show. The TV show was animated, sorry. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to see a third one. I'm not sure how they would tie it into this one. Maybe they go a reboot. I would like to see a reboot of the first the first Tron movie. I think that's where I would go myself and, and, and start again. And I'm, as you know, from other podcasts, I don't like to see a reboot unless I think they've done everything they can with the existing universe. So, um, so yeah, Daft Punk, that was the name of the, 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 the pop group that did the music for Tron Legacy. RIP Daft Punk, no longer together. Indeed. Yes, that's right. I knew they were in the news recently. Um, my third movie uh, for Easter again a rewatch and i've just mentioned it previously is star wars rogue one and i just you know i was just having a great time i was just vibing it i and i was just like what's next and this movie i just feel like i haven't watched this one in a while i love the fact that you can watch rogue one by itself i know you can do that with any movie but rogue one feels a real set piece as as a singular movie by itself and i i really just really enjoy that that's kind of like with um with with solo it's that sort of like it's just a little different to what we've got with the, the with the skywalker saga movies and i guess as time goes on we may find that this is more and more the way the star wars movies uh will will go but for the time being this is one of only two movies that we have that's a little different and you know there's so many fascinating characters most of them we haven't met before um and of course you know even from the very first watch we're not going to see them again anyone who hasn't seen this movie this is this is how the death star plans got stolen this is what leads into that very first star wars movie and it literally as i think i mentioned last week um it literally finishes as as a new hope starts and i find that really really rewarding um i i i think um the the rogue one squad themselves they're so strong. It's it's no wonder that we are now looking at having a Cassian Andor-based um, TV series. I've, I find him a really, really fascinating character. Galen Erso, who plays by um, Mads Mikkelsen, he is fantastic in this. And I, that's probably my one complaint on this rewatch, is I suddenly thought, do you know what? We didn't actually get to see that much of him. And he's such a great actor. And we, we love him in Hannibal. And he's great in Casino Royale and uh, many other things. But it would have been a bit more... And that's, I guess, the bit of sweetness, isn't it, of Rogue One? You know, we, we get them for a very short period of time. And, um, and then they're gone. But uh, it was a great rewatch and just... It, yeah, to find my Easter. It's funny that you say Rogue One because I I didn't watch it, but I had a real strong sort of like, do I feel like watching Rogue One? Do I feel like watching Solo? Should I watch the entire Star Wars series? And I was kind of in, in that camp of, am I going to go right down the wormhole or do I just want to taste it? And Rogue One was on my mind all weekend. And so it's funny that you bring it up because it's it's a great standalone movie to watch, isn't it? It is. I love that we're sort of thinking the same things somehow through the force there. There's there's so many other little bits that I'd forgotten because I haven't watched this for a few years and it's just, it's great to go back. I think because this is essentially a war movie and that's what makes it um, great because we love Star Wars movies, we love war movies. There's like a, there's scenes in this that are reminiscent of, saving private ryan or, or band of brothers they have there's scenes where we have the camera appears to be mounted on the on the wings of the x-wings as they're coming into action we've got those great uh the original footage of 
and the audio of uh, the original Gold Leader and Red Leader who joined the Battle of Scarif. The final third of this movie, I would argue, is as strong, if not the strongest movie of all the Star Wars movies. I find it absolutely fantastic. And of course, that final scene with Vader where we just get that that Vader that we've always wanted to see the minute the, the lightsaber lights up, you, you know, it's full badass, completely unstoppable, the most frightening ever. And it's, it's what we've always wanted. And I think that sort of whets the appetite for the Obi-Wan series, even though I won't get overexcited about that. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, we're going to have limited scenes of Vader. And certainly I wouldn't expect to see him doing anything like he's done in Rogue One, but uh, yeah, great rewatch. I mean, K2SO, the droid. I'd forgotten all about him. That sounds terrible. But, you know, this sarcastic droid that basically doesn't care about anyone. So different to other droids we've encountered. Um, CGI tech, and I mentioned before, that works for me. It doesn't for everyone. I love it. Um, I Yeah, I, I really had a great time watching this. And it's it does, it does make you feel like, oh, you could go straight into A New Hope. But uh, that is what I've been watching, Dan. <laughs> I think this is what's good about it because, you know, when we talk about Lord of the Rings and if you bring the fellowship together and you start that quest, you have to see it through. You have to get the ring to Mount Doom and you have to destroy it. Whereas when, you know, if you just go with a Rogue One, it's just a little bit of a taster and you know enough about everything else that you can kind of, you're fulfilled and you can carry on with your life or you've got the option to, to see it through. And I think that's what's really cool about the Star Wars universe now is there is so much great content. There's so many different places you can jump in from the Mandalorian, from the Clone Wars to the prequels to the core trilogy to the new trilogy. To it, it, it's, a, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. It really is. And one final thing I just wanted to mention, I forgot Krennic, director Krennic. He's, he's so good in this movie as the villain. And what makes him different for me is he's he's like a – he reminds me of someone in the workplace in my office almost like he's like a project manager he's under pressure you know he's he's got to get this project finished he's he's on edge and he's not as self-assured as imperials like you know Tarkin and Vader and Thrawn or even General Hux maybe in that first movie he's he's quite sort of not so sure of himself and that's a really interesting dynamic Ben Mendelsohn who plays him is is brilliant this is all the guns for me all the guns i love it I love it. What about you, Dan? Oh, what have you been uh, watching? Well, I've been watching a few movies and continuing on with a, a, a few of the, the regular series. Uh, but the first movie I'm going to start with today is one that I came across because of an email that came into my inbox from Neon, actually. And it was a movie called The Hunt. And so this is a movie that came out in 2020. And in the, the sort of promo post for it, it talked about it being a highly controversial movie, almost cancelled before its time. It had a few delays. And it kind of had enough kind of buzzwords in there that made me think, maybe I'll check that out. Mm. So this movie as I just said, comes out in 2020. Basically, it's a, it's a political satire type movie and the whole concept of, of it is that 12 strangers wake up in a, a clearing uh, in, a, in a forest and they don't know uh, where they are or how they got there um, and they don't know why they've been chosen, uh, but basically a bunch of people are, are hunting them. And so it's kind of got that... I feel like I've kind of seen this concept before. It's got a little bit of a, a Hunger Games type vibe, uh, but 
the, the difference being that all of these people don't know why they're there. There's no um, volunteering or being a tribute. And this movie is, look, it's it's not the greatest movie you're ever going to see. It's not the worst movie you're ever going to see, but it's a, it's kind of a fun time. And it kind of is one of those movies that pokes fun of the left, of the right. It pokes fun of, you know, for, for everything that somebody's for, there's somebody against it. Mm. And it's actually got quite a quite a great cast. It stars Hilary Swank. Um, it's got Ethan Supley. It's got Emma Roberts. It's And what this movie does a really great job of is actually – it sort of it tricks you into who you think are the main characters constantly throughout this movie, and it's sort of ever changing. And I think it's I don't think this movie's anywhere near as controversial as potentially. And I actually think this is marketing uh, talk that they've tried to sort of make it out to be. But it's a it's enough of a fun time that you'll probably have a laugh. The story is okay, and you know what? If you've got nothing else to watch, I'd give it a will. Sounds really interesting, actually. And when you when you described the plot to me about these strangers all waking up, they don't know how they got there, whatever, it kind of made me start thinking about the show that is still on my watch list that I haven't started that you watched last year, The Wilds, you know, about the uh, the people on the plane. And that, that always makes me think of Lost, you know, Lost. And then as I looked at it, I saw Damon... Damon Lindelof's name uh, associated with this as one of the writers, and so that all that all fits into place quite nicely for me because he that seems like exactly the sort of thing he'd be involved in. And as we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, Lindelof always delivers um, in that kind of genre. So um, I've added it to list as as I've been listening to you talk about it. it sounds fascinating. Yeah, look, it's it, it kind of even the poster for it, uh, or the little title card, particularly on neon, makes it look like more of a of a horror. But it's it's definitely I wouldn't consider it a horror. It's definitely got some uh, heavy action scenes, but most of it's kind of in that kind of like ridiculous laugh out loud um, sort of sense. So yeah, give it a will. Awesome. The other movie that I've watched, and I've been wanting to watch this movie for quite a long time, um, and I finally gave it a whirl, is Sonic the Hedgehog. So <laughs> the stars are Ben Schwartz and James, Mar- James Marsden and Jim Carrey, and I don't know about you, Paul, but I grew up as a, a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan, and this movie was a pure joy. And it's sort of one of those movies that has, has had a – quite a bit of controversy sort of attached to it because if you remember the first time they kind of released footage, they hadn't quite got the the look of Sonic the Hedgehog right. That's and right. then there was such a such an uproar from the internet, they actually put a whole bunch of money back into the film to to do it properly. This movie is so much fun. It's hilarious. You know, we talked about the other day that Adam's family and another movie that you might have watched, oh yesterday, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of jokes in there for the adult viewer and there's definitely something in there for the kids. And I just had a ball and I cannot, I, I want Sonic 2. And I thought Jim Carrey was fantastic. It was just, I, I had such a great time. I don't know why I haven't watched this yet. And I'm, I've added it to the list straight away. It's already appealing to me as a, as a long weekend movie, maybe with the family type thing. And what you've just said before about, you know, jokes for the adults in there. One of the things I love about and again, I haven't seen this movie, but one of the things I love is how they released that trailer. It got a lot of criticism. It was very direct criticism, very specific criticism. 
And so they acted on it. And I feel like that's that's really great because there's a you know, when we talk about the amount of haters that are out there, but sometimes when something's and I can't remember what Sonic looked like in that original trailer, but um, looking at the picture of the poster now and a couple of the, the the photos, it looks pretty much how I might imagine it would look in a movie. So I feel like they've, from my perspective, done a, a decent job. And Jim Carrey, always a good time. Uh, I can still hear the noise of the rings being you know collected as as you, as you go along. I mean, please tell me that noise is completely in this movie. I think this is the magic of these films is I think on paper, if you say to me a Sonic the Hedgehog live action movie, in my brain I can't quite process how there's enough of a story there that's going to translate into a movie and will it actually work and is that stuff sort of better left in your mind. But this 100% works. It 100% brings back the nostalgia factor. It made me want to go and play Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. Um, It's it's just so much fun, and I think the way that they introduced Sonic uh, into a, a human world was was really cool as well. Um, it, you know, Jim Carrey can be one of those um, actors which is, can often be quite intense, but I think he's the perfect person uh, to play um, Doctor Rob- Robotnik. Which is yeah, I look, it's a great one you can watch with the kids, and you'll have a great time as well. Awesome, I, l- I love it when they get it right because I always think of things that are you know you enjoy as a kid and then you go and see a live action version it doesn't quite hit the mark and the one that always springs to mind for me is the thunderbirds live action movie that they made um 2004 and just looking at it now it's scoring a 4.3 and a 36 you know they really didn't get it right there and so hearing you say that is really great because i didn't play as much sonic as a lot of people but i played enough to to really enjoy it and it's on the list, Dan. I love it. I love it when you add things to the list. Um, then I have also started a, a new TV show on Amazon Prime, actually, and it's by uh, Robert Kirkman, uh, creator of The Walking Dead. Mm. And so this um, TV show is based on another one of his comic book series called Invincible. And this is a an animated uh, TV show. There is four episodes out, I believe, and I've watched the first two. And the main thing that really appealed to me is obviously the the Robert Kirkman factor. Um, I haven't read any of this comic, so it's 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 all new content to me. I I loved it. I'm you know considering I'm only two episodes in, and I've still got two more to watch, and I think we're getting eight in the first season. Mm-hmm. It, it's absolutely incredible, and it's got a it's got a fantastic cast as well. Obviously, a lot of people from the Walking Dead universe. Um, we've got Stephen Yen. We've got, um, uh, as I say that, I am now looking at Carrie the list and can't see the other. Yeah, correct. It's also got a whole bunch of other stars like Walter Goggins, um, Sandra O, oh, um, J.K. Simmons. It's it's star studded, and it reminds me a lot of. Do you remember the the X Men um, cartoon series? It, for some reason, it reminds me of that. That's the first thing I thought of when I looked at the uh, when I brought it up. There's a, a picture there, and it looks very much like that nineties um, X Men TV series. Def- yeah, definitely. So it's got that sort of vibe. Now, this is definitely not a, a children's cartoon show, though. This is Robert Kirkman, sort of quite dark, quite, um, quite. 
quite violent for a, a TV, for an animated TV show. But I've got to say, in the first two episodes, there's been a whole heap of plot twists that's really kind of thrown me off my game of what I thought was going to happen. And I've just had a great time. So if you are, I think, A, a Robert Kirkman fan, B, a comic book fan, and this isn't something that's on your radar, I would encourage you to, to go out and get amongst it. There are some other names that you haven't mentioned that I've just scrolled down and seen who I think if you haven't seen them yet, you're going to be excited to see. So brilliant. Yeah, look, and look, even looking at this, like Mark Hamill, obviously. That's, yeah, that's the one I was Yeah, and, and so some of these I, I may not have come across them yet, or I actually didn't necessarily recognize some of these voices in the TV show. It wasn't until afterwards, and I was like, wow, this is actually a, a star-studded voice acting cast, which is pretty exciting. It's it's always a tribute if you can't recognize the voice sometimes, and then afterwards you're like, oh, wow, that was Mark Hamill. Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else? And then the, the final thing I've watched, obviously, the the latest episode of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And so we've got episode three now. So we're basically halfway through um, this little series. And again, the show just keeps getting better and better. I I want you to be in this universe, Paul. The, the quality of these episodes is so good. There's so many... Uh, twists and turns and throwbacks to wider stuff going into the Marvel Universe. It just makes me want to kind of nerd out and talk about some of these um, superhero characters and how they're connecting up the universe and just what a a wonderful job that Marvel does about bringing this all together. And I think, and this has always been the missing piece for me, what um, DC hasn't done as well, is Marvel is just like they're so... They've got like a they've got this big I imagine this big map. They know how everything connects together. They know which characters have interacted before. They know that when this character interacts with this character, there's going to be some sort of this is the the previous beef or the previous tension, and this is this is such a, a top quality show. I I can't wait to watch the the final three episodes to see where where this all ends up. It's amazing that DC haven't given us a call yet, Dan. You know, they need to bring some people in to tie this all together and make it happen. They need some help. Maybe um, DC and Walking Dead are trying to get hold of us at the same time and that the two calls are cancelling each other out. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm excited. Um, just going back to yeah, Invincibles, um, I'm impressed to see you giving Mr. Kirkman another chance after the recent Walking Dead uh, episodes. Um, but... We have got one final episode of The Walking Dead to review this week, haven't we? We have indeed, and I think, you know, to be fair to Robert Kirkman, the, the comics of The Walking Dead are awesome. It's the the, the TV uh, translation of those, which I think sometimes leaves a, a little bit to be desired, but we push through nevertheless. So, yeah, shall we move on to The Walking Dead, Paul? If that's all you've watched this week, let's go there. Let's get into it. So... Again, for all of those people that aren't Walking Dead fans, make sure you check out the, the time codes below. Uh, but each week, Paul and I have been reviewing these uh, the, the final half of Season 10 of The Walking Dead, which has been the, the six bonus episodes. And this week's episode is called Here's Negan. What did you think, Paul? Well, we have suffered through the last few weeks, I think it's fair to say, and it's uh, it's always been entertaining particularly for me, just watching how animated you get about it. But I wonder if you might get animated. 
this week because I thought that this week's Walking Dead then was an absolute belter. I felt like it was the Walking Dead of old. Um, so just really quickly, this one, uh, here's Negan. Carol takes Negan on a journey, hoping to minimize the increasing tension. Negan reflects on the events that led him to this point and comes to a conclusion about his future. And so this is a flashback episode and often they don't work. We've talked about times where where it does work, like I talked about last week with Better Call Saul. This really, really worked for me as a flashback episode. There's so many things I want to dive into, um, but I want to get you on the mic first because I'm always curious to hear what you think. But yeah, in a nutshell, fantastic. Yeah, look, I've got to admit, Paul, I came into this episode with such low expectations after all of the the previous disappointing attempts to try and give us some new Walking Dead content. And I'm with you. They completely knocked it out of the park. I think they gave us a, a backstory that we wanted. I would have probably rather had two or three episodes that were just Negan focused. That's how good the content was. And it was. I think what made it good is... I don't know whether it was a combination of um, just Negan and his wife, or just it's a character that we've we've just come to really kind of love so much in the in the Walking Dead universe that we we finally got the backstory that we've all been craving. But it was this was a wonderful episode, and you know, looking at even the reviews now, this is just head and shoulders above every other episode that they've. Of, of the last five anyway no absolutely and we talked about ratings last week and how we had the you know, splinter was 5.0 then last week's diverge was 4.1 this week here's negan 9.4 which is a dramatic rise i mean we haven't had a, a nine point something for actually um quite some time it certainly hasn't been anything this season it would have been early in the previous season so you touched on something when you said um you would have liked to have had this for a couple of episodes and i think you're right i think i almost could have had this story broken out even more than it was and it was broken down pretty well but even more over two episodes maybe even three and when you you said last week about how it might have been more interesting to watch um rosita and, and some of the others just sitting around getting drunk and telling stories about situations they've been in it's that in many respects there was elements of that in this episode um so maybe we should get on that running stuff down because negan takes us on a on a on a bit of a backstory and i love the layer upon layer that kept adding so each part of the story required negan to go back further to understand what was happening and and why he'd done what he'd done so you sort of you're sort of peeling back the layers to get to a but and then you sort of come all the way back and what was um fascinating for me was i came out of this episode feeling empathy feeling sorry for negan and 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 so what was really clever about that was at the end they have him walking past back past maggie um and carol's all like she's gonna kill you man uh, and you know maggie's given in that stare and you know she hates him and and, and and quite rightly so because you know let's not forget he killed her husband with a baseball bat so there's there's lots of complexity here but I was also in my mind, I was looking at her thinking, hey, hang on, you don't know what he's been through, all right? You don't understand what happened. And f- f- to be feeling that about a character who arguably has given us 
I always say this, the the greatest cliffhanger episode of television ever. Uh, and we we were all like, he has to die. We have to kill him. He has to be gone within the next episode to be at this point. That's good writing. I think you're right. And I think what's what was interesting about this episode is, so obviously Carol, I keep saying in this episode, obviously, like people know, I don't know. Obviously. I need to stop, obviously. I need to stop saying that. Um, so Carol takes Negan away. Um, from from the the main town, so that Maggie doesn't doesn't actually try to kill him. And I, I'm with you. I I I find myself getting annoyed at Maggie for being so mad, and then I have to remind myself that actually she's got a good reason to be mad. Like you said, she her husband died at the hands of Negan, and I also found myself a little bit like this is typical Carol Carol getting involved in other people's business trying to make things right but kind of doing it in an annoying Carol way but I'll tell you one thing that got me fist pumping in the air for this episode is when we had the the flashback scene and we saw Rick and we saw Michonne and I was just like this is the walking dead I freaking love and I was like imagine if like Rick's in this flashback that's gonna be incredible and obviously it was um a Rick flashback of Rick we'd already seen, but it was still so good to see him. I love those scenes, and I, I guess they must have obviously the rights to be able to do that. And if I were them, I'd be throwing in a couple more every now and then because it really it brings it home, it ties it nicely together. It it is as you said quite nicely, the Walking Dead that we freaking love. And what what also came out of it was that performance from uh, from Jeffrey uh, Dean Morgan as as uh, as Negan he's just uh, he's just terrific because we get to see this this other side to him this side of him when he was younger this this high school gym teacher and this caring husband who just wants to get some medicine for his wife who's got cancer and wants to go about it in the right way and he, you know he he barely has the 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 strength or the the, the ambition to kill even a walker uh, let alone anyone else and then suddenly once once what happens to him and his situation happens it's like a uh, a switch gets flicked and watching this you you understand why and i would love someone to come into the walking dead having just watched that episode as their first episode and thought oh i quite like the look of this series and see that and that's their view of the world on from negan's point and then go back to the start i'd love to talk to that person i think what you said before that the the amount of character depth and the layers that they explored in this one episode is absolutely incredible because I think, you know, there's that scene where um, Negan's playing Xbox and he's talking smack to somebody <laughs> online. Right. There's, you know, Negan who has been cheating on his wife. Then there's Negan who's too scared to kill a walker because he's so in love with his wife. Then we get the Negan, like how he got his leather jacket and then how the bat came about. And then, as you say, we see when when the switch is really um, flicked in Negan and, and he goes he goes peak Negan, the Negan that we know from season, I guess, six and seven. And seeing that evolution and the journey of that character in one episode is that's award-winning stuff. It really Both is for the right, the writers, the acting, the supporting cast. It it came together as such a, a beautiful package, and I I just don't understand, Paul, how you can have a an episode that's at a nine point four and reminds us of peak Walking Dead, and then on the other hand, you can have the the garbage we've had for the other. 
um, largely five episodes. I think this is going to be a little bit profound for me, perhaps, but I think I've cracked it. I think it's because they're trying to do too much. And I've been thinking about the TV shows that are really, I'm really enjoying and I'm really sort of appreciating. And sometimes those TV shows leave me wanting more. So like the Sherlock's, like the Mandalorian, like the line of duties, like the, where there's just a, a finite number of episodes and the quality of those episodes is, is top tier. And, and so when you go back for a rewatch of those shows, like Better Call Saul, like uh, so many other shows it's it's really peak and i th- i almost feel like this this tv series would benefit from like a half the number of episodes per season and then then see what comes out in terms of the stories in terms of what what cuts the cuts the mustard because what it's doing to us dan and you touched on this before with carol it's it's just making us dislike these characters and actually a lot of that's down to the writing that's very worrying as well when you think we've got this new series coming with just Daryl and Carol. We already just are starting to really dislike one of the characters. That's really worrying. But yeah, that's that's how I think I've cracked it. I think too, and you know, obviously Maggie's Maggie and Negan's tension in this episode, and, and particularly in these last six episodes, has has been a thing. So it actually would have been really cool to have a real heavy Maggie focused episode that made us care about Maggie again as much as we hear about Negan, because again, to the audience, Maggie just left and she she turned her back on the settlement. And that's why I think it's it's kind of hard to have a bit of empathy for her when Negan's actually been the one who stuck around. So yeah, there's, there's some weird psychology stuff in there. Yeah, that's a really interesting dynamic when you put it like that. And of course, what makes it even more interesting is when we lift the lid and it's real world things around, you know, the actress Lauren Cohen wanted to go away and do that that other TV show, which ultimately was a fizzer and now she's looking for work again, so wants to come back. It's kind of, when you when you take away those elements and just look at it from the character point of view, you're absolutely right. Um I uh, I'm really pleased they finished on this note. I feel like it um, it's left me now excited for it to come back, which is an incredible position after what we were saying on this podcast just seven days ago. Yeah, look, I'm look. I say this all the time. You know, even for every terrible episode, I'm still going to be back watching it. So, and I'm I'm sure there's going to be some fizzes in the. 20 plus episodes that they're going to finish out the final season with those aren't going to be 20 classics so you know stay tuned half measures listeners i'm here for you through all of them thick and thin great stuff and next week we'll be picking up our walking dead watch as we have the returning fear the walking dead so can't wait for that yeah there's some exciting stuff going on in that universe so that should be a really good watch so, Paul, it must be time to talk about the movie of the week. So each week, Paul and I take turns choosing movies, um, and we review those movies. If you would like to watch along so that you have seen the movie before we start talking about it, then you should probably come and join our Discord channel. You'll find the link and details to that in the show notes below. But, Paul, what was the movie that you picked this week? This week's selection, after... Last week's movie, The Nightingale, we went a little bit uh, more upbeat, shall we say, with a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And so this one is based on a a true story, um, a a real-life friendship between Mr. Fred Rogers and a journalist by the name of um, Tom Junod. Um, 
changed the name in this movie, but yeah, basically a, a jaded magazine writer is assigned a profile of uh, Fred Rogers and he overcomes his skepticism, learning about empathy and kindness and decency from America's uh, most beloved neighbor. And um, yeah, this was, uh, this was different to what I thought it might be going in, having selected it as a movie of the week. And overall I came out of it enjoying it more than I actually thought I might. What about you? I've got to be honest, Paul, when you suggested this movie, I was a combination of disappointed, angry, and frustrated, thinking, what is this? What is this garbage that I'm going to have to watch? And I'll tell you what, I was Lloyd in this situation, the reporter that is trying to do a story on Fred Rogers. I was like, I was, before I even hit play, I was like, I'm going to hate this movie and it's going to be a real pain to watch. And I'll tell you, this is one of the most feel good, uplifting, one of probably the top movies I've watched this year. It was really good. And it hit me in the feels. It, um, it, it spoke to me in a, in a weird way, which I didn't expect it to. I loved all the characters that made me love Tom Hanks' portrayal as Fred Rogers. I love Matthew Reese from uh, from the Americans. It was it was a great watch, and it reminded me to, you know, you've got to give these things a go. This is the point of movie of the week. Don't come in with this bad attitude, Daniel Whiting. It it is fascinating, isn't it? Because you know you, we had the same conversation with the Nightingale, where you sort of said, "Oh, I chose it," and then I suddenly realised what it was, and I was like, "What am I doing?" And I think that's the the joy of it. Sometimes is you go in with either no expectations and something shocks you, or you go in with expectations and uh, what's the word premeditated sort of like you've made assumptions in your mind, and then it, it, it turns into something different. And um, I yeah, I really just was blown away by how much I enjoyed it. I knew I was always going to enjoy Tom Hanks because the the guy can't fail. You can put him in anything. He's one of the all-time greats and, you know, I absolutely love him as a, as an actor. But funnily enough, um, what I found in this movie um, was that it's the story of Lloyd that, for me, it, this movie only works with Lloyd's with Lloyd's character. And I guess... Maybe there might be viewers in other parts of the world that might feel differently because as someone who never grew up watching Mr. Rogers, this was a bit of a, a shoulder shrug thing for me. I'm like, what's the deal with this guy? And I'm sure there's millions of people in North America for whom he, he was a household name. And I guess this movie told the story and, and you know, you get the message that, as you said, Dan, Fred Rogers is clearly one of the nicest human beings ever uh, and who better to pay play that role than than Tom Tom Hanks is such a likable guy but yeah as I say it's the character of Lloyd is what makes it work um and yeah I love the analogy you made about yourself coming in as Lloyd in this movie because he's got some preconceived ideas about what this is going to be and he comes out the other side thinking that wasn't what I expected so it's the 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 parallels there are fascinating it was a, a real good watch I completely agree with everything you just said. For me, it's almost like Tom Hanks is the is the secondary part of this movie. Yeah. And I just I enjoyed the the development and the the story arc of, of Lloyd's character. So if you haven't seen it, basically the his story is he's got his 
He's been a reporter for a long time. He doesn't really believe that uh, Fred Rogers is as as wholesome and as good as everyone says he is, and it is the character, how he's portrayed on TV. And much like you, Paul, I kind of came into this knowing minimal to nothing about Fred Rogers. It wasn't something that was really part of my New Zealand childhood, but sort of knew enough to be have a bit of a sense about who that was. And it was, I, I truly did, I came into it like Lloyd. I was like, there's no way that Fred Rogers is going to be this much of a nice guy. There's probably something creepy or dastardly going on in the background. And he was just genuinely so wholesome. Mm -hmm. And I think what was so great about it is, and I think his, his wife kind of brought this to life um, where, you know, she sort of you know, talked about he's not perfect. He's got his flaws. He gets angry. He gets frustrated. But these are the things that he does about it. And this is the way he tries to live his life. And I think that just has such an impact on Lloyd's character. It makes him reconcile issues with his, his family and um, not be so sort of, I guess, hot-headed and, and tempered about things. And it was it was actually just such a good, feel-good watch. And it was quite it was quite sort of an emotional journey, I found. Like I, I found myself quite sort of like drained by the end of it because mm. it was such a such a ride. It is. And I think part of that um was again with Lloyd's journey was that relationship with with his father who Chris Cooper plays absolutely brilliant. I feel like I haven't seen Chris Cooper in a decade. I, I couldn't tell you the last thing I saw him in. I feel like the the Bourne movies or something and I don't know why he's gone off the grid or I've just not been watching the things he's been in but he his relationship with uh, with Lloyd was was really what made it um yeah I think that was the the real the real linchpin in terms of where that emotion lay and Matthew uh, what's his name Matthew Reese did you say I I haven't seen him Uh, I I was just thinking what have I I think he he shows up in the post with uh, Tom Hanks and Mel Street, but I, I haven't. I never watched the Americans, and I'm just going through. I haven't really seen him before. He's he's really good. He's he's really really convincing, and um, I uh, I would definitely watch him again. Have you? Is the Americans on your list? Is it a show that you've given a go? Or I feel like I gave it a go, and I feel like for some reason it didn't quite hit the mark. But um, oh, he's in Archer. Top ten. Okay. Is it top ten? Okay, that's that's wow, Dan. You come out with these these top ten. That's a massive statement to make on the podcast. That's on the record now, by the way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was one of my maybe back in 2019 when we hit the final yes. season. Mm. That's right. No, good call. It was. Look, I, I just want to go back to the start of the movie because what you when you said you went into it thinking I'm going to hate this. What's he thinking? I'm angry. You know all those things that were hilarious. Within the first three minutes, I actually started to think. Oh no, there there has to be more than this, please. Because you know this is all too nice. You know he's coming out and he's singing and he's sitting down, and I'm like, there has to be more than this. And within two minutes more, I realised there obviously was. But yeah, there was a moment in the first three minutes where it's. uh, I don't know what people what the rule is with people in terms of how long they give something before they're like, nah, it's not for me. I can't do it. I can't cope. I don't know what the rule is, but give this one more than three minutes. That's all I will say. Yeah, I think that's that's a, that's a good call because I think this movie does start off very Fred Rogers heavy and it kind of almost kind of feels 
too childish and it sort of made me think, what, what is this movie going to be about and how, how are they going to make this work? But it very quickly does that. And I think the thing is when it's movie of the week, probably the big test for me is I have to watch it one way or another so that we can have a conversation about it. Probably the thing for me is do I pick up my phone at any time during my watch? And I I didn't during this, which I think is a is a good sign. It's always a good sign. It's always a bad sign if you pick up the phone and you text me to say, what the hell have you done? This is terrible. <laughs> That's when I know we're in trouble. So, Paul, the big question, what does it get on the guns of Kimbo scale? It feels inappropriate to give Mr. Rogers any guns whatsoever. This this doesn't fit him at all. But uh, I, I, despite me giving all that positivity, I'm going to give it two and a half guns out of the, out of the four um it's 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 a good movie i don't want to oversell it um it's better than i expected but yeah i think two and a half out of the four for me is my my rating dan how about you i'm going three and a half wow that, that's how, yeah like look it's a movie i'm probably never going to watch again but it i enjoyed it i think if it's if you haven't seen it give it a go i, I there's something in it for you i guarantee it Brilliant. Well, there you go. You never know what you're going to get on the movie of the week choices. Um, a beautiful day in the neighbourhood. Dan, back Indeed. to you, back to you. Uh, we're going. We're going live to the news desk, where I believe there's some breaking right. news. There's so much news happening today. So, um, first of all, it looks like um, this will be a particularly big for some of our American listeners. In California, movie theaters can open at full capacity. On June fifteenth, which that's big. It's, that's big. That's real you big. know, there's it's it's going to be great. Hopefully, this is going to stop delays. I feel like vaccinations are getting rolled out thick and fast in America, so this is obviously helping with the the confidence and be able to open up safely. And I imagine that will have flow on impacts to wider cinemas all around America. So, hopefully, Paul, one thing this might mean. Is less movie delays. Correct. We might finally get our James Bond movie. We might find there's a number of things we've been waiting on. But I have to admit, this week has been the first time, and I don't want to get overly optimistic. But we had this news. We also had the news here in New Zealand of a, a travel bubble that's opening up uh, in the next week with Australia. You know, there's just a few things that are starting to happen which feel. You know, stadiums in the United Kingdom are starting to get more fans for football. Things are just slowly starting to come back to the pre-apocalyptic world that we live in. (laughs) Indeed, especially in in New Zealand, it's basically almost right on a year, isn't it? Like Mm. it was about a... Anyway, let's not get, let's not get back into that depressing time. Um, speaking of movie news, it looks like Godzilla vs. King Kong has been a smash hit at the theater already. It's already made forty eight point five million in its five day domestic opening, and I'm intrigued. I'm to be honest, I'm not really a big uh, Godzilla or King Kong fan. I haven't seen. The, la- the last movie I saw in this sort of genre was the Peter Jackson King Kong movie. Mm. And I know that's not even part of this sort of series. But I'm hearing so many people talk about this movie. I feel like I need to see it. But I'm, the one thing I'm not sure about is, do I need, and I'm, they're all on Netflix, um, do I need to see the other um, Skull Island and Godzilla, City of Monsters, something, something, Dark Side, before I watch <laughs> this? But e- either way, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I, I don't think 
and I don't know, but I don't think surely you'd have to watch those things because I feel the same way as you. I've I've never been that big on the King Kong type things. I've never been that big on Godzilla. Give or take the the cartoon series from the late eighties, early nineties, where the where the guys used to press the button and they could summon Godzilla up. Even that was fascinating. I've never really been that big into it, but the idea of these two big characters going up against one another in the same, bringing those two two things into the same universe somehow, that feels like it could be a Saturday night popcorn movie. I would probably select that as a movie of the week option if it came up on the radar, I think. We'll look forward to that in the probably coming months. Um, what else have I got? So an unfortunate passing in the news. So um, Paul Ritter has uh, just recently passed away. Um, you may know him from Harry Potter. You may know him from Chernobyl. Uh, he was in Quantum of Solace. He was on Friday Night Dinner. Only a young 54 passed away due to a, a brain tumour. So that is not not great at all. Obviously, Paul and I, we're big James Bond fans. We we both enjoyed Chernobyl. Friday Night Dinner is a is a great laugh if you if you ever come across that show. It has got a very sort of in betweeners um, style humour to it. So, our um, best wishes to the family. Yeah, real sad. Such a young age. I I mainly remember him if i'm honest uh from chernobyl um where he played the the most arrogant of of scientists and he did such a great job in that role um but yeah real sad indeed um knives out so you may remember that movie paul Mm. so netflix has brought the sequels to that movie for 450 million dollars and so they'll be coming straight onto netflix and it's rumored that both ryan johnson and daniel craig will be getting approximately 100 million dollars for each one of those as well so that is going to be a, a very nice payday and it will be I guess, A, great to have them direct onto a streaming platform and B, interesting to see where they take it and another, you know, a full trilogy for Ryan Johnson. His dreams are coming true. There's there's more trilogies from Ryan Johnson to come. That's 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 a thing. It's going to happen. We'll talk about that in a couple of years, I'm sure. Um, very exciting. Knives Out was a real surprise hit for me. I really enjoyed that. So that's quite exciting. Great news. A couple of final things. So Sebastian Stan, who plays the the Winter Soldier um, in the um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV series, has recently done an interview and he talks about how um, fans are always trying to activate him um, in public. And so what this means, Paul, this might be, I know you're still on this sort of this catch up journey. So basically there's some words that you can say to the Winter Soldier and you have to say them in Russian, but it activates him as a, he'll he'll basically be under your control and he'll sort of go into full Hydra super assassin mode. And apparently people say it to him all the time and I just think that's hilarious. And so apparently those words that you need to say to him and bearing in mind has to be in Russian, which I'm not even going to try and attempt, but the words are longing, rusted, 17, daybreak, furnace, nine, benign, homecoming, <laughs> one, freight car. And if you say all of those words, you've got the winter soldier at your control. That's brilliant. I love that. I, I love the fact that people are doing it. I love the fact that it makes the news. I have a trigger statement as well. People come up to me and they say, Michael Keaton was the worst Batman ever. And that, that triggers me and I'm activated and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll turn into an assassin as well. 
Amazing. And then my final bit of news. So speaking of Walking Dead, so it looks like the final season of Walking Dead is going to premiere this year on the 22nd of August. So no doubt that's going to take us also into 2022 because there's 20 plus episodes to get through. But yes, season 11 is, or I guess it's going to be hot on the tails of Fear the Walking Dead at some point in amongst this we'll probably get more world beyond mm-hmm. i would presume we'll get that before walking dead season 11 actually concludes potentially i hope so and the reason i say i hope so is because I, I still feel as we talked about some months ago on the world beyond that there's a way in which they can tie in certain elements of that story and i, I think that i would like to see them do as much as they can in those other two fear and world beyond universes before we get the final walking dead season and i'm not now, but when we when we come to that season, I'd be really curious for us to have a, a bit of a, a conversation around our predictions for that final season and who might show up, how they might play certain things and how they might look at the ending of it. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling hype for the final season, which is great. Yeah, definitely. And that is all of the news that I have, Paul. Anything at your end? Yeah, a couple of things. I love, I love, I've got my tabs open for the news. And when you're mentioning things, it's like Battleship, like, Lots of them get shut down as you're as you're going because you mentioned them. So that's great because that leaves me with not too much. But the the couple of things I did have, um, funny enough, are both uh, Star Wars related uh, to a certain point. One of them, Star Trek, in fact, um, a ten year old Luke Skywalker is apparently going to appear in the Obi Wan Kenobi series. So that comes. I, I guess I should be giving spoiler alerts because some people may not want to know that. So apologies, but apparently. That's that's the breaking news that we've got on this series. I'll believe it when I see it. But we did see the young Luke running across the sand in Rebels, so it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibilities. But um, I'm kind of intrigued by that. I'm very, you know, protective and get precious about Luke, so I do sort of like I, I do hope they cast someone decent. Um, <laughs> it's really harsh talking about kids, isn't it? I think you know this is the thing with the Obi Wan series is. This is probably the most, um, you know, Obi-Wan is such a loved character, but I also feel like this is the highest risk Star Wars TV show of all of them because I think it just touches on such a, a critical point in the timeline and, you know, we talk about the the Marvel war room where they're kind of thinking about how all of these characters interact. Even if they have a, a young Luke Skywalker we can't have Obi-Wan interacting with him. That's like right. that that can't that can't be a thing. So I just feel like there's gonna to have to be so much caution going into this. And I feel like with this type of news, people need to keep their their expectations strongly in check. Correct. I don't want to drag us down a wormhole, but really quickly, Dan, why can't we have Obi-Wan having anything to do because Luke knows who he is because Luke talks about you know he says oh I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi up beyond the June Sea so he knows of his existence he's obviously had some sort of well I think it's a bit like you know you might know the old hermit from around town but if he's I think if he's had any interactions with him, I think their relationship and A New Hope would be quite different. Yeah. Like, that, they'd be maybe a little bit more familiar with each other. Like, oh, I remember that time when Darth Vader tried to come back and get us and we got out of it. <laughs> Whereas I think in in this story, like, you could see them potentially being in passing, but I wouldn't expect necessarily any 
big dialogue between them. I don't know. It, ma- it makes me sort of cautious. Yeah, no, I think oh, look, I think you're right. I'm just testing, testing, thinking. I really like the idea of that time that Daff Edda came back to try and get us, and we got out of it. I, I love that. That's a story I'd like to go into. Um, no, very exciting, uh, and again, tempering our excitement around how that might play out. But it, you're absolutely right. It is a very um, pinnacle moment of Star Wars two. To, to dive into so best of luck to them i can't wait um the only other thing i had is so yes so star wars has may the 4th each year right um and that makes sense the star wars star trek equivalent of that is is first contact day which is april 5th uh which was just in this past week and that is the day that the vulcans arrive on earth in star trek history obviously in the future and so April 5th each year, there's normally something comes out. And this year we had a, um, some teaser trailers for Lower Decks Season 2, uh, looking pretty funny. Uh, Discovery Season 4, looking pretty colourful. They've changed the uniforms up, which is good. That show's got a lot of work to do after a disappointing Season 3. And also Picard Season 2. Um, that was probably the one that got me and a lot of other fanboys and fangirls hyped. Um the, the Picard teaser basically is a voiceover from from Jean-Luc Picard and then it ends with a, a fan favourite Trek character who will be returning to Picard's life for the first time since the early 90s so uh, that was that was pretty exciting and yeah once once you've caught up Dan because you know just like I've got to go on a Marvel journey you've got to go on a Trek journey um, there are some things that will become quite quite poignant as to this character's arrival in season two of star trek because so looking forward to that but it won't be till next year but there we go it's great to have all that new canon star trek content it is indeed it's all canon dan thank you for reminding me of that i really appreciate it i'm jumping straight into the mailbag before we go down another wormhole um only a couple of things here so last week we talked uh our movie of the week the nightingale um we actually had quite a few people comment about this one more than we normally do on a movie of the week perhaps which uh, i find quite fascinating because it was as we said uh, a movie that was was quite a tough one to watch quite an interesting one to review but it sounds like people appreciated it um we had uh sador on instagram he came in with a five out of five rating and said so good dark and depressing but the performances are amazing uh we had bab from the hawks bay um who agreed with our review adding that it was a great movie and a very powerful story and noted that it would have been a very grim life uh you know 200 years ago in australia and we had jamie from ohio uh comment that it was a a a great review um, which was very kind of him um, and he said it was dark as hell but worth it so yes yeah, so thanks to everyone who got involved there and talking of getting involved uh, after a world first zero responses on the peak performance in the mailbag for the previous week uh, peak performance for last week Kurt Russell uh, normal service was resumed uh, we had Norman from Roddenberry.com went with big trouble in little China Michael from North Carolina also there with Big Trouble in Little Carolina. Uh, Jason from Poirua here in New Zealand. Uh, Tango and Cash. Uh, Ryan from San Fran went with Tombstone like uh, like yourself. And back in the mailbag, uh, once again, Paddy is back with a 3-2-1. Big Trouble Little China miracle. And of course, his number one was Tombstone as well. And that's the mailbag this week, Dan. 
Welcome back, Patty. Great to have you in the mailbag. Now, I don't know whether that was a 14th slip there before, Paul, when you said big trouble in Little Carolina. Did, did I say Did I? Wow. What a fool. Can you edit that out? <laughs> no, that's, that, that's here to stay. And I think that, that could be the sequel. So, um, <laughs> Amazing. I often wonder what I do say good. sometimes. Goodness me. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our peak performances. So much like our movie of the week, we take turns choosing actors and actresses and sometimes producers and directors, and we name their best 321 movies from our perspective. So this week, the peak performance was actually selected by one of our Patreons, Samara King, and she chose Mark Wahlberg, which, to be honest with you, I'm surprised we haven't done Mark Wahlberg before. So am I. What a guy. He is great. I'm going to preface this by saying I was so close to having my number one as Matt Wahlberg as himself on the Graham Norton show. I think I've mentioned this before. If you haven't seen it, just YouTube it or something. Matt Wahlberg drunk on the Graham Norton show with various other celebrities is one of my top 10 comedy moments in the world ever. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's such a funny guy. I love him in everything, even the bad movies. Um, this three, two, one was much harder than I thought when I started going through things, and I just and I just see some of the movies he's got coming up. Like he's he's playing uh, the the six billion dollar man as well. There's there's so much great stuff when it comes to Matt Wahlberg. But I have, as the rules dictate, come up with my three, two, one, and I wonder. I wonder how many of these might be on your list. Um, I don't know that this one will because not a lot of people like this one. It was 2008's Max Payne. And this movie did not get a lot of love. Um, It's currently scoring at 5.4 with over 100,000 votes on it. So obviously the majority. But this was... uh, a a reimagining of the of the video game and i just i didn't think it was that bad but more than that i felt that matt warburg did everything that i would want from this 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 character of max Payne to be like in real life and this was back in a time when i perhaps played more video games and had a bit more time in my life to do so Um, and so i really enjoyed the max Payne games and i think with the exception of the voice because the video game voice of max Payne is is unbeatable. I mean, I don't know who that guy is, but he was, he's fantastic. With the exception of that, I felt like everything he did in this movie would be exactly what I wanted. And I really enjoyed it. And I feel like there's rewatch value to it, despite the low ratings. I, there's something in there for me. I really enjoy my, my number two, this was a tough one. It was so hard to put it number two, but in the end I went with the departed um so this is the 2006 madden scorsese movie and what i think speaks to the the quality of matt warburg in this movie is this is leonardo dicaprio matt damon jack nicholson madden sheen ray winstone ali bold there's so many brilliant actors at their prime and yet when i think of this movie Yes, I, I still think of DiCaprio, but I, I really, I really always focus in. I can't wait to get to those Wahlberg scenes. This we've talked before about roles that are written specifically for for actors like Ryan Reynolds. This is a role that was written for Matt Wahlberg. He is absolutely amazing as as Dignam in this movie. It's one of my all time favorite performances for him, and it was real close to going in to number one. But in the end, the number one 
I did go with the fighter. Um, and again, that's quite a big call for me because, you know, you were talking last week about um, uh, Rocky, you know, and the Rocky prequel. I've never been big on boxing, but I do enjoy a good boxing movie for some reason. And this one, I feel like, was top tier and I feel like he I feel like sometimes people maybe forget how good Matt Warwick was in this and maybe he was overshadowed by Christian Bell who was so good in that supporting role and you know he won a lot of awards for that Matt Warburg was also nominated for a lot of awards for this one and I I haven't watched this one since it came out so 2010 but this this is a real strong Warburg this is for me I, I I think this is his peak performance. I think there are other Wahlberg movies that I still might enjoy and go back and rewatch more, but this is his peak performance. Great choices, Paul. I am I was a big fan of the Max Payne uh, video games growing up, and it was one of those games. I, I don't know if you played the game, but mm. but they introduced sort of the bullet time, mm. and it was just so great in the early Xbox days, running into a room and flicking on bullet time and just doing the slow mo. Um, guns that can bow through the through the place. It was yep. it was good. All right, so my three um, for Mark Wahlberg. I, I'm like you. Mark Wahlberg has got a, a great back catalogue, and he's a he's such a fantastic action hero. And I think he he's he really is a modern day action guy. And I think his, his sense of humor is on point. I love that he can be funny. I love that he can be, you know, sort of a really strong and, and deep character. I love the Boston accent. Everything about it is awesome. My number three, I'm actually going to go with a, I guess almost a little bit like you, not the most popular movie um, in his repertoire, but it's a movie that has kind of stuck with me, and it's the 1996 movie, Fear. And so this is basically where... It, it stars a, a young Mark Wahlberg and Reese Witherspoon, and um, basically Mark Wahlberg's character basically plays a bit of a, a psycho who turns and he becomes obsessed with Reese Witherspoon and um, basically torments her in this movie. It's been a very long time since I've seen it, but when I think of Mark Wahlberg, like this is one of those like it. I, it's funny to think of him back in, as, as this sort of character because often I think when people play those um, villainous type roles, they don't always often go on to be A-list celebrities. They often sort of get a little bit put in put in that category. But I think you know Mark's really he's moved on from that. He's gone on to bigger and better. Much like you, my number two is The Departed, and you're right. This is a movie that's full of so many great actors, and yet. Despite all of this, Mark Wahlberg shines in this movie. And when I think of that movie, much like you, I think of DiCaprio and I think of Wahlberg. And I think Wahlberg was one of the only people to win an award um, in that movie as well, which is a little interesting tidbit of information. But my number one is one of my my favourite movies, and you're going to um, cringe at this, Paul, but is the 2010 movie, The Other Guys. I... You know, this movie is gold. When I think about so, so Step Brothers is one of my my, my favorite movies <laughs> in, in this genre. But this is probably number two, and there is so many great lines in this movie, both from Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. This is it's it's so good, and I just I love him in this role because he's you know he's basically playing the the the. The, the 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 cool guy the the tough guy cop alongside Will Ferrell who's who's a complete clown and 
oh, it's just there's so many laughs to be had in this movie, and I think it just sort of shows Mark Wahlberg's I, I think range of different things that he can do. But for me, the the other guys is a real standout. It's it is a hilarious movie. Samuel Jackson. Um, is 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 amazing um so michael keaton there's such a great cast it's it's look i i kind of laugh when you said it as your number one but i have to be honest i did have an amazing time watching this i could i could easily look if we ever near the near the movie of the week and we're just struggling i could easily go back and do this again because yeah with the rock as well just so so much goodness Maybe we need a Will Ferrell because even just thinking about like, do you remember in that movie when he goes back to sort of his this is the flashback and he's he goes his personality Gator and he's a he's a pimp basically and he says his whole alter ego is so different. I I absolutely love those scenes. It always has me in fits of laughter. But that Paul um, must be the end of our peak performances and uh, into another episode of the Half Measures podcast. Indeed, it is another hour or so of good fun, Dan. I've enjoyed this week. And uh, thanks again to Mission Log Podcast and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for supporting this week's episode. And a special thanks to our Patreon producers, Samara King and Trisha Brady. Um, if you would like to become a Patreon producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next time, everyone, adios.